Well, good morning once again, everybody. For those of you I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is John, and we are in a series called Dear 2021. And as we've, I'm sure, I don't, I don't know if you've heard, but last year was a little tough. And so we decided that this year we're just going to get out ahead of it. And um, this, by the way, you just need to know this year may be better than next year, but it's still going to be tough because every year is tough. And so what's important for us is that we're able to face and go through all of that stuff with confidence and focus and all of that. And so we're starting off this year with a series where we're talking about what our mission is as a church. And we were a little bit interrupted last week. That seems like par for the course <laughs> over the last yeah, you know, 365 days or so. And uh, so we were interrupted and we did a special message, which was really well received. And I hope you get a chance to watch that. But we were out of the studio and doing it over a Zoom call and it was different. But we started this series two weeks ago and talked about our mission overall. What is it? Why do we have it? Um, that The words vision, mission, those kinds of things get used differently by different organizations. So we want you to know what it means when we say mission. And uh, if you watch that message, I use the analogy of Legos. Um, and I put a Lego box up here and explained how the words that we use apply to building a Lego set. And uh, by the way, I took that Lego set home and my kids were super excited to build that. And I said, you can't because it's mine and I'm gonna build it. And, but then I relented and I said, okay, we can build it together. I think there's three packs in there. So I'll build one pack, JD can build the other pack, Jairus can build the other pack and Josie can dance um, while Jess cooks, I guess. Not because, because she loves to cook, okay? Um, by, by choice, not by force. But, um, <laughs> It, it got weird, but anyway, that's fine. Anyway, um, but uh, I, so we got home and then we found out a, a couple of days after that, I, I didn't get to it and it was sitting in the hallway and we found out that, you know, I'd potentially been exposed to uh, COVID and so then I needed to quarantine. So I ended up quarantined from the family for like 10 days and our kids were dying because they had to walk past that Lego set every single day and they couldn't build it. But finally we did build it and it's magnificent. It's magnificent. But anyway, we used the, the analogy of Legos, and we said that um, the most general thing we look at really is what we call our mission. In that case, it would be we're going to build a tank. You know, We don't know exactly what that tank's going to look like yet. That's vision. Or what all the pieces and parts are that go into that tank and all of that. That's strategy, structures, and resources, all the stuff inside the box. But deciding that you're going to build a tank, or you're going to build a car, or you're going to build a plane, that's how we would use the word mission. What are we trying to do? What are we overall? And that can be done a lot of different ways. And in fact, the mission of our church isn't dissimilar from the mission of every church or what the mission of every church I think should be. And they'll have some sort of version of what our mission is. But it's basically what says, we're a church. This is what a church does versus what a restaurant does or what a school does or what a nonprofit who's helping people in the community does or versus what a you know, I don't know, an electrical wire manufacturing business would, would, would be. So that's what our mission is. And we, we broke that down and introduced the four elements of our mission, which should not be uh, unfamiliar to anybody who watches our stream on a regular basis, because every single Sunday, Jess at the beginning talks about those four elements of our mission. And you might find that very, very often, even in the messages, elements of the mission come in because they should, if that's what who we are and that's what what we're trying to be. And we introduce those four things every single week to you. Know God, find hope, live free, and do good. 
So in the first week of the series, we sort of overviewed those four things. And we're gonna spend the next four weeks diving into each one of them individually uh, more cl- and looking at them more closely. So of course, this is week one, we're gonna start with the first part of the mission, which is to know God. And that comes from Ephesians chapter one, verses 15 through 17. And all of uh, all the scripture that supports our mission comes out of Ephesians chapter one and two. But know God comes from Ephesians 1, 15 through 17, where Paul writes to the people in the church in Ephesus, he says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And so he obviously has heard of their faith and what they've done. And so he's praying for them regularly. And I believe that Paul was actually praying for them regularly, not just saying he was praying for them regularly. He was actually praying for them regularly. And he goes on and he explains what that prayer is. All right, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So this is Paul's desire for the Christians who are in Ephesus at the very base level. I mean, start foundational point number one. I want you to know God. I want you to know God. And the knowledge of God comes from God. He makes that really clear here, right? It doesn't come out of human reason. You can't logically prove that God exists. You wouldn't come to that conclusion that way. The knowledge of God comes from God. He asks that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It's to know God. And it's the first and the most important thing for us. But it also, in some ways, might be the hardest thing for us or or one of the hardest things for us because, make no mistake about it, God is knowable. Maybe not in whole because he is beyond our ability to understand, but God is knowable. But because God is knowable and has revealed himself to us over thousands and thousands of years, there's also a lot of misinformation and opinions about God that exist out there. And so it can become very confusing to know who God actually is or who people have made God out to be or who people have assumed that God is. And in fact, in a lot of cases, God has gotten a rap as being one thing and it has nothing to do with anything he ever did. It has to do with what people who bore his name did (laughs) or how they act. You know, people think that God is a certain way because a Christian is a certain way. And that's not necessarily true. So there's a lot of misinformation or confusion about who God actually is. I, I think that a lot of people, and this is very natural, we probably all do this in one way or another, is that we tend to formulate our concept of God based on um, who we want him to be in some cases or simply in a way that makes sense to us based on the experiences that we've had in life. And so we logically created a picture, an idea of who God is. And in many cases, that is very, very far off the mark of who God actually is. So like for some people, for example, some people think of God like a communist dictator Like he just wants total and utter complete control. He wants all of the people to fall in line and to do everything that he says. He he wants to manipulate, control 
all of society. And so that's why he has this Bible. That's why he has these rules that we have to follow. He's trying to control us and keep us under his thumb. And he has we really aren't of any value to him. We're nothing. We're like sand on a seashore. And so if he wants to, you know, if he wants to get rid of us or hurt us or whatever, what is that to him? Some people think of God that way. Some people think of God like an absentee father, that God just swooped in, he created all of this, and yes, there's a creator, but then he just bailed on us all. You know, he created this whole thing and then he left us to his own devices. Yeah, there's a God out there somewhere, but he doesn't. he's not involved in this at all, and he doesn't care about us at all. Some people think of God that way. Some people think of God uh, as Santa Claus, right? Just this big jolly guy with a big white beard sitting somewhere that's also really like snowy and white. Maybe it's clouds or it's the North Pole, but he's he's got his he's got his elves with their wings and they deliver messages to people. And uh, God is just you know he's looking to reward us when we do things good, but when we do things bad, he's going to give us a lump of coal. <laughs> That God is, God is just watching our behavior and either rewarding us or punishing us based on what we do, right or wrong. And, you know, when it comes to when we die and our time comes and, and whatever, you know, he's going to look at his list and check it twice and find out who's naughty and nice and whoever's good gets in and whoever's naughty isn't, you know. But that's, that's not who God is either. But, but we, we tend to take God and we put him into frames of understanding that we can wrap our head around or that we like or that fits our experience with what we think is God or with Christians or with whatever else. But what Paul's desire is for the Christians in Ephesus is that God would reveal to them who he is. And he uses the word knowledge. He says um, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is where we get our phrase, know God, to know God. The word knowledge that he uses there brings with it the connotation of accuracy, precision, acuteness, correctness. He wants them to know who God really is, not who everybody says God is, who God really is. And it also brings with it the idea, it's not just knowledge, but it's acknowledge. That's the English word we would use, to recognize something that is true and, and real and right. So, to, to know God so well that you know him when you see him and you recognize an imposter when it's not him. It's like with people, you know, to know someone so well that when you see them, you know it's them, right? And now it's it's gotten to the point where you have to know people even better because now you can't just recognize their face. You got to recognize like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the top half of their face. You got to know people's eyeballs now in their eyebrow shape. You know, we're in trouble if somebody shapes their eyebrows. You know, we lose all frame of reference, right? It's the ability to, to know him that well. You ever been out in public and you, you saw someone and you were like, I know that person. Or like, I think that's Bob. I I I'm probably pretty sure that's Bob. But I'm not sure enough to say something <laughs> because if I'm wrong, it's going to be so embarrassing. I think we've all had that experience. And, and if we don't know God well enough, we don't know who God really is, then it's easy to mistake something else for him and, or to miss him when we see him. And so we need to know him that well. And to know him so well that when we somebody represents him poorly or somebody says something about God that can't possibly be true given the nature of God, we need to be able to sniff that out. And this is one of the most important skills and abilities for a Christian to develop 
It's discernment to know the difference between what's true and what's false and to be able to just sense the difference. I've heard many times this analogy given. I don't know if it's true or not. I think it probably is. But I've heard that the way you you teach someone to uh, spot counterfeit money is not by giving them a bunch of fakes to look at, but actually putting in their hands the real thing. And the more you hold the real thing, the easier it is to tell when you get something that's fake. And I don't know whether that's true or not, but I think that it's probably true in a lot of different areas. I, you know, I, I love guitars. I work on guitars all the time. It's a hobby of mine. I'm kind of obsessed with it. And I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I learn, huh? I don't know if it's a hobby, it's just, just a lifestyle. <laughs> my wife just said it's not a hobby, it's a lifestyle, which I'm 100% on board with that. And, uh, but they say that about, you know, guitars, because often people will fake expensive or nice guitars, and um, they'll give all these things to look for. You know, if you're looking for a fake Gibson Les Paul, you're trying to tell if it's genuine or not, you know, you can look for the way that the the binding goes over the frets, and you can look at all these different things to figure it out. But there's no substitute for having held real Les Pauls and then to have a fake put in your hand. And they say over and over again, you know immediately when that happens. Um, if, I've ever, if I ever had a real Les Paul, I would probably be able to, to be able to tell that. I'm willing to take um, the money theory. I'll hold all the money. <laughs> yeah, Jess said she'll hold the money if I hold the guitars. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's the same concept with God, and this is something that Christians need to get really good at. We need, to, we need to know God so well and learn about him so much that when it's not him, when a message is not from him, then we're able to tell it immediately because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't smell right. It doesn't sound right because we know him that well. It's a really important skill for us to develop. Now, how do we develop that skill though? Well, Paul, I think, gives us two elements of an equation here that, that are very, very helpful. He says his prayer for them so that they can get this knowledge of God is that they would be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. And those two things are different from each other, but they complement each other really well. Wisdom, the word Paul uses for wisdom is the word Sophia, which is a name you might know or be familiar with. That might be your name or it might be your, your, your given name at birth or your, your almost name or whatever, but Sophia. Um, and that is intelligence, scientific understanding and study. It's acuteness and skill. It's something that is, it's developed and it's pursued and it's grown and matured. And so that's wisdom. And then he says revelation. And the word he uses for revelation is apocalypsis, you know, apocalypse, revelation. You know, we have a book in the Bible called Revelation. And that is to lay bare or disclose the truth. It's instruction. So if you want to think of it this way, wisdom is what you go get. And revelation is what comes to get you. So wisdom is what you pursue, study, get, go, go after. Revelation is what God gives freely to you that you couldn't go get. He has to give it to you as a gift. All right? And, and I think these two things together, they actually they work really well. I mean, obviously it's true because we read in Scripture. But beyond that, it also stands up to logic because this is how you get to know people. You start with wisdom and then you move to revelation. And like, so let's say you were going to, you were going to have a meeting with somebody. Um, maybe it's a, maybe it's a first date or maybe it's a meeting with a new client or a potential supplier or an interview or something like that. Well, what's the first thing that you do? You Facebook stalk them. 
That's step number one. And they're doing the same thing to you, by the way. <laughs> or if it's business, maybe you LinkedIn stalk them. I don't know, but you, you, you try to gather information about them. Maybe you talk to some people that they know and you, you learn about them the best that you can. You go to your information sources. So you're looking at what kind of interests they have and what kind of posts they make online or what their education is or who they work for. You're talking to people who have interacted because you want to know, you know, do they pay their bills? <laughs> Not like home bills, but like, you know, if it's a client or something like, you, you want to know something about them. So you ask around, you gather as much information as you can possibly get. But that is never enough to actually know somebody. Eventually, you have to sit down with them and talk to them. And when you sit down and talk to them, it creates this depth and this color around all of that information. In some cases, it may contradict some of that information when it comes to a person because you might get bad reports from somebody about somebody else or their own personal experience versus what's actually true. And you start to learn things you couldn't have possibly ever learned on paper or from someone else. You get a feeling for their heart. You get a feeling for their motivations. You get a feeling for their, uh, their how they interact. You get, um, there are some cases where they provide information to you that you never could have gotten anywhere else. They had to disclose that information to you or you wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. And so it makes perfect sense in a way that the way that we get to know God is very much the same as the way that we would get to know someone else. We have to have wisdom, study, research, figuring it out, and then God also has to reveal himself to us in ways that we may not ever be able to figure or, or see simply by reading, for example, words on a page in scripture. He, he has to add that depth. And you really need both of these things to know God well. If you have, a, it requires both research and revelation. So if you attempt to know God by research alone, you will likely end up with a cold faith. And if you try to get to know God by revelation alone, you'll probably end up with a confused faith. So you need, you need the stability of the research, but you also need the depth of the revelation. And so we're gonna, let's talk about both of those things just a little bit more in how we get to know God. So if, if to know God, I need to study him. To know God, I need to study him. If you're taking notes, that'd be the first thing to jot down. To know God, I need to study him. Now, I think about my wife and I, and I think way, 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 way back to when we first met, which was many moons ago. The year was 1923. No. I'm just kidding. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, it was 2002. But no, 2002. We met in 2002. We got married in 2003. So our 18-year anniversary is right on the horizon for us. And... Um, but I remember our first, we met, it's the whole thing. <laughs> it's a story I'm not going to tell here. But we met and, in a um, restaurant. In a, if our parents ask, it was in a, a family restaurant. And, um, but our first, the first like real time that we spent together one-on-one -on -one was actually uh, it, like in the middle of the night, okay? I was working, oh, stop it. I was working. Um, I was working security at like a pool hall place and which makes me sound tough, but it really wasn't. Okay. Um, but I was working security and I was working the night shift. And so she came to hang out with me there. And that was really the first time we, we spent a, a lot of time talking face to face. And 
I learned a lot about her even though I had already known some about her because I'd been asking around. In fact, after the night that we met, this is funny, after the night that we met, she went back to her dorm room and talked to her roommate and she said, oh, I met this guy, I met this guy tonight, his name's John Allen. And her roommate said, John Allen. And Jess was like, yeah. And her roommate said, he's engaged. <laughs> which I wasn't, by the way, that <laughs> she said, he's engaged. Now there's some information that, well, it wasn't true, right? But it was information. And so you have to go out and you have to get that information first. And I was trying to learn from Jess, even as we were just getting to know each other. I wanna know, where are you from? What's your family like? You know, you have to ask these questions and gather this information. And then she has, of course, to, to share it. But we, I studied her. I studied her. I studied her because I loved her. I wanted to understand what she liked, what she loved. I found out she was a Bills fan. I was super excited about that. Go Bills, we won last night, AFC Championship next week. I found things out about her that, that I needed to know. I wanted to know, and I wanted to know those things about her because I love her. And the truth is that we study what we love. We study what we love. And so if we love God, then we are going to study him, to try and learn as much about him as we can possibly learn. David, King David, who's called a man after God's own heart, he said this. He said in Psalm 25, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. And he had the law and he had the prophets and he was able to go to them and learn about God and learn about God and learn about God. And to pursue God, I need to spend time learning about God. And the best place for me to do that is right here. Okay? It's in Scripture. This is the best place for me to learn about God. Now, we also, as Christians, we need to seek out good teaching, and we learn from good teachers about who God is, but we have to understand every time that a message comes through a teacher to us, it is coming through the filter of that teacher, okay? And every time you learn about God from me, it is coming through the filter of me. So you need to understand that my words are not necessarily God's words unless I'm reading his words, in which case they are his words. And so you have to run that filter. But when you get it straight from the scripture, you get it straight from the source, then you get to see real God. And it's specifically within scripture, specifically within scripture, you can look very tangibly at the life of Jesus. Because Jesus is God manifest to us in human form. So if you see Jesus say something, that's God saying it. If you see Jesus do something, that's God doing that. And so you can get to know the character of God by looking at Jesus. And that becomes a huge, huge and very important filter for us when we're trying to discern and figure out, is this true or is this not true? Is this God or is this not God? Is it consistent with Jesus? If it's not, if you say, would Jesus do this? Maybe you've seen the, the bracelets. What would Jesus do? As people wear those as a reminder. All right. If you see something happening, you can simply ask the question, and the, the, you know maybe they're even claiming to be doing this on behalf of God or whatever else. You can say, would Jesus do that? That's a very simple filter. You'd be like, no, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't be caught dead doing that. So that's not God. That's not God telling them to do that. Jesus wouldn't do it. All right, so those, that is a really important filter for you to use. And I know there's maybe some of you that are, that are with us right now, that are watching this, and you would say you're not a Christian, or I might call you a pre-Christian. But you say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christian yet. I don't know. I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. Well, let me just tell you straight up, up front. You may have a view of God that is very distorted because you have trusted in what other people have said to you or what you've seen Christians do. 
And that may or may not actually be who God is and what God values, okay? You need to hear that really clearly. And so if you are truly interested in finding out who God is, if you want to know him and want to know more about him, then I want to strongly encourage you to go directly here. And I know that this might be a little bit intimidating to you because uh, it is long and some of the words might be difficult, but get yourself a version you can read, okay? We use New King James for teaching here at Carolina Family Church. ESV is also a good version for teaching and accuracy. If you're looking for something a little more readable, the New Living Translation is good. But I would strongly recommend that you go directly here, and specifically, I would challenge you to re read the Gospel of John. Okay, Read the Gospel of John, and you will see who Jesus is. And when you see who Jesus is, in the words of his best friend, by the way, when you see who Jesus is, you will see who God is. And do not make a determination about God or about who he is or what he values or what he wants to do until you hear it from the source, and that's right here. All right, hear it from specifically the Gospel of John. Don't make a determination before you do that. You owe it to yourself to fully research and try and find out who God is instead of believing anything that has been told to you from the outside. Go directly to the source because it's too important. It's too important for you to leave it up to other people's opinions or experiences. This is between you and God and you need to go directly to him. And I wanna strongly encourage you not only to read the Gospel of John, which is, gonna, which is gonna teach you the truth, what I believe wholeheartedly is the truth, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He gave his life on the cross to pay for your sins and he rose again on the third day and that you can have salvation simply by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. That's it. I believe that you will see that at the very base level. But I want you also to ask God as you're reading for revelation, not just the words on the page, but the depth and the heart behind the words on the page. And that's what the revelation from God does. And so not only if we want to know God, do we need to study him? We need to look to and look to Jesus, all right? Uh, let me read this to you. Uh, Paul said this about Jesus. He said in Colossians 1:15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So you want to see God, you look at Jesus. Not only do we need to study him, but we also need to experience him. To know God, I need to study and experience him. We need revelation. Asking God to open our eyes to see what he's doing, to see who he is. And this is not, by the way, this is not about asking God to reveal things about himself that are totally new to all humanity for us. This is about asking him to display and confirm who he is and to show us in some cases what has always been there but we've just never seen before. This is an added layer of depth. I think about this like thinking back to, to getting to know Jess when we first met. Now, I had things that people told me about her. She was a student assistant for um, one of my professors in college. And so, you know, that's kind of how I she got on my radar. And, uh, and so I kind of asked, I knew a few things here and there. We first met and started talking and learned a few things that first night. But it wasn't until I really spent time with her that I was able to see all that went in and around that. And it's, it's one thing for someone to tell me that she's caring and loves caring for people. It's another thing for me to see her care for people. That confirms what I know in my head. It's like taking what's in the head and going to the heart. 
And I think that in a lot of ways, that's what Revelation does. It's God revealing himself to us so we can see how he's doing the things he says about himself in Scripture, if that makes sense. Um, I guess, let me, I'll say this awkwardly. Um, I need to be looking for God to do who he is. Is that awkward? Okay, good. I'm, maybe it'll stick then. I'm looking for God to do who he is. So I can read it in Scripture, right? I can read about how God loves and cares for people in Scripture, but then I see God love and care people for people in life. He reveals himself as what I know him to be, and it confirms it and brings it home. God reveals himself. He revealed himself to, to people like Paul. He revealed certain mysteries, things that were in the scripture the whole time that were always there, but God had kept hidden from them until that time. The re revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of uh, the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's role was going to be and, and all that. The revelation of the gospel, the good news being for Gentiles and not just Jews. That had always been there, but God revealed it when he needed to. Uh, we often work on a need-to-know basis with God, and he decides what we need to know and when we need to know it. And there's a little subtlety that happens here for us, because I believe that God does this for us as we're reading Scripture. As we're reading Scripture, the Holy Spirit is interpreting that Scripture for us, and he's showing us and helping us to understand what's going on here. And he's showing us how he's used this and that. He's revealing to us in our own life how things apply to those areas of our life, which is why you can read one verse in the Bible a hundred times and it feels like it means something different a hundred different times. It's not that it ever means something different. It always means the same thing. The Bible means what it means. But the way that the Spirit applies it and reveals it as application in our life changes over time. And and so that is a powerful, powerful thing. It happens when we're praying. And we're praying and we feel like God is revealing to us that he's confirming certain things or that he's taking care of certain things or you're praying for something and you realize God has already answered that prayer. It happens in, in subtle ways where, where God makes himself known. Uh, God reveals himself to us when we're struggling. And we pray and we ask him for peace and he gives us peace. Or we ask him for wisdom and he gives us wisdom. We ask him, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? And he tells us, you know, those are moments where God reveals things to us. So not only do we need the, the wisdom that comes through study and, and what we go get and seek out, but we need the revelation that comes from God. It's not something we can go get. He gives it to us as a gift, and it is incredible. Paul says this when he's writing to the Corinthians. He says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He reveals it to us, confirms these things through us, to us through the Spirit. And Revelation, one of the reasons Revelation is, is incredibly important is it because it confirms to us what's true so that we can discern what's not true. 
And the reality is for those of you, particularly I would say for those of you who would say you're not a Christian, but for Christians alike, have you ever, have you ever sat down to meet someone for the first time and you'd been told a bunch of things about this person and you sat down with them and something in your gut, you realized that those things weren't true. Maybe, maybe you sat down and the people said, oh, this person is, you know, they're conniving, they're sneaky, you know, they're, they're not honest, you know, they do this and that. And then you sat down to meet with them and you actually talked to them and you realized, no, that's not true at all. Like that's their experience with that person. Or <laughs> on the contrary, people have said, yeah, that person's great. They're awesome. They're fantastic. You know, you know, genuine through and through. And and then you sat down and you just got like a skeevy feeling. From them, you know, you just, it just didn't sit right or feel right. That's what sitting down with God will help you to do. It'll help you to filter through those opinions that people have about him. And, and even sometimes you have the black and white and someone is representing God and you're like, no, I know that's not true because I've, it says uh, otherwise <laughs> in scripture. You know, the scripture tells us to do other than what you're doing. I, so I know what you're doing is not from God. Right? That's wisdom developed through studying God and knowing God. But there's also that in-between-the-line stuff about the character and the nature of God. To know who God is even beyond what it says and to be able to see a situation happening and saying, I can't put my finger on a scripture or a place in, in scripture, but something about that just does not sit correctly with what I know about Jesus and about God. That wouldn't be it. That's where revelation really comes from. And I think in a lot of cases in those situations, it's the Spirit telling us, hey, that, that ain't me, okay? I don't know that. You know, you know who that is. If that ain't me, you know, you know where that's coming from, but that's not coming from me. That level of discernment is incredibly important for us. It's one of the reasons that as a church we're committed to teaching the Scripture accurately, even if we don't like what it says. And we try not to bring opinion in as much as possible. And I'll tell you, as the pastor who teaches more often than not for our church, I, I try to bring in as little opinion as possible. I want it to be what the Scripture says because we can trust that. And and I hope we can trust me, but I, I'm a person. And so sometimes we see things wrong or have, have wrong opinions. That's why it's so important for us to do that. But it's also why we encourage you uh, as a church to individually pursue and know God and to spend your own time reading scripture as much as you can and to know God as well as you can and to spend time with him and, and to assess his character. And I have, there's so much more for me personally. I feel like I know God well. I, I feel like I know him well enough to discern in most situations what, what is him and what isn't him. But there's so much more that I have left to learn. And I think we can all say that and probably should all say that if, if we're mature in our faith that we've always got a long way to go. Um, but I'm just so thankful for who I've learned God to be. And so what I want to do as we're, we're finishing today is I want to share with you just a few things that I know God to be, that I'm confident that he is. And then I want you to participate with us. And I want you, I'm going to give just a few words. And then I want you to put in the chat what you know God to be in just a word, just a word or two words. And they're going to, Jess and Marie are in the room uh, watching the chat. They're going to relay those things back to me so I can share them with anybody who may not be on the chat. But um, And I just want this right now to be uh, a moment of worship for us. This is a way for us to express love to God, to, to 
uh, affirm our relationship with him. So here are a few things that I know that God is. God is loving. I'm going to take the easy ones. God, <laughs> God is loving. He's incredibly loving. He loves us in a way that we could never possibly even fully understand. Um, God is powerful. He can do absolutely anything he wants. 100%. He could do whatever he wants, and he does not have to operate within the laws of physics. He is just. He is just. He judges rightly. He is protective. He cares about us, and he protects us. He is protective. He is good. God is good through and through. There is no bad in him. 100% good all the time. And so I'd like for you to share. Awesome. Awesome. God is awesome. Almighty. Almighty. Yes. Truth. God is truth. Absolutely. Forgiving. Mm -hmm. God is forgiving. Mm -hmm. Faithful. God is faithful. Consistent. God is consistent. Comforting. God is comforting. Yes. Trustworthy. God is trustworthy. That's right. Let me see, I've got some other words here too. God is holy. There's no sin in him whatsoever. God is, God is creative. It's one of the things I love about God. I wish I were nearly as creative as he was, as he is. Never changing. God is never changing. God is generous. He's incredibly generous. He's mer there. God is always there. God is merciful. God is reliable. God is praiseworthy. All right. Listen. Oh, understanding, God is understanding and supportive. Yeah, there's a, there's a delay happening here, but... Um, well, you can keep putting those in there if you want, but the reason we put those out there is because I, for some of you, those things might be contrary to what you've heard about God. <laughs> God is safe. Oh, I like that one. God is safe and risky <laughs> in ways. Um, yeah, I just want, this is an ongoing journey of knowing God, constantly knowing him more and more. And if you can know one thing about God, beyond the fact that he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, and he is ever-present. It's that he loved you so much that he gave his son for you. He generously gave his own son. And his son, Jesus, demonstrated his generosity by giving his life on the cross for you. He did that because he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Because he knows you. And he loves you. And he wants to forgive you. But we have to believe it. We have to believe that Jesus did that for us. We have to believe that he died on the cross for our sin and rose again. We have to believe that. But if we believe that, then we can enter into this relationship with God where we can study him and, and search him out, but that he also reveals himself to us. And it's incredible and it's beautiful and it's the best way to live. And so not only do we need to believe that and accept that for the first time so that we can know him, but we have to go through this ongoing process as Christians of getting to know him more and more and more, to know him more and more accurately. And we're committed to that as a church because we're committed to that as individuals, and it's what we do together. 
And so what I want to do is close in prayer today, and I might reiterate some of those things that, that we've just said in the chat and, and that were on my list. And we're just going to thank God for who he is and also ask him to reveal himself to us more and more. Okay, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and the fact that you would give us the honor of knowing you, that you would make yourself discoverable, that you would make yourself knowable. We thank you so much for that because it means that we get to see you. And as we see you, not only do we get to know you, but we get to know what you want from us and we get to know how you want us to live and prepare for heaven and prepare for your kingdom, Christ. And so we thank you for that, that you are loving, we know that, that you are just, we know that, that you are with us at all times, we know that, that you are consistent, that you're steady, that you're forgiving, that you're merciful, that you're involved, that you're creative, that you're generous. You're so many things, that you are good, that you are holy and pure. And so we thank you for all of those things, for who you are, that sets an example for us, that, and that you and all your goodness and holiness would care enough about us to send your son, Jesus, and Jesus, that you would care enough about us to give your life on the cross to pay for our sin. We thank you so much for that. I pray that someone believes it for the first time today and accepts forgiveness for the first time today because of your death and your resurrection. And God, as we continue to know you more and more, that's just our, that's the prayer of our heart, that we would know you accurately, that we would see you clearly, with precision, that you would give us discernment so that we can see what's not from you, what doesn't represent you, and what does, so that we can align ourselves with what's true. So we thank you that you've given us the Spirit, God. Spirit who teaches us the Scripture, who interprets the Scripture, who helps us apply it, who leads us and empowers us as we commit ourselves to honoring you. And so we thank you for that today. We ask for it today. Inspire us to study and learn and grow actively. But we also ask for your revelation, God, that you would make yourself known to us in ways that we couldn't go get on our own. And we thank you that we have that kind of relationship and that you love us that much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.